Neediness. Man, when you are needy, you repel. Hey, podcast listener. You're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. It's David Allen, and we're back with another exciting podcast. And today's guest, uh, someone I'm looking forward to talking to for a long time since I first heard about him and read some of his stuff. And his name is Doberman Dan. Welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Appreciate the invite. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, it's really great to have you. I think I first heard about you from Ben Settle, if my memory serves me. Uh, he turned turned me on to you. Uh, I'd been introduced to all this stuff through Gary Halbert, but I don't think that's where I, I think I first heard about it, you through Ben because I wasn't up to date on all the Gary Halbert stuff at that point, I think, either. I've read uh, some of your stuff and your uh, rookie copywriter survival guide that uh, I think I got off Amazon a couple years ago. And uh, you're just one of those classic and somewhat legendary direct response guys that's still floating around. How did you get into all this mess of uh, direct response advertising then? Yeah, yes, a, a legend in my own mind. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I didn't want to get into all this stuff to be totally transparent with you. What I wanted was I wanted a mail order business. Right. So I had a job that I was not crazy about. That's quite an understatement, actually. And uh, I just, you know, so I, nine years prior, while I still had this job, I was trying all these different kinds of businesses and failing at all of them. But I discovered I discovered direct response marketing through Dan Kennedy, through a product I bought from him. And I thought, this is cool, man, selling like paper and ink and cassettes that cassettes just saying that that alone just totally dates me and, and i thought this is a cool business man he's sending letters in the mail and like doing ads and in, in magazines and selling stuff in the mail and i thought if i could do that and just equal my job income so i was a police officer for the city of dayton so not making a big income and i thought man if i could just do that equal my job income because I know I, it's not like I'll be working eight hour days with a mail order business. Uh, I'd be like, I could be free. I could be free of the job I'd started to hate and go do all the stuff that I really wanted to do was like, go pretend I was a real musician and play music and stuff like that. So, that so that's common, what that seems to be a common thread amongst people. Who's I know. Weird, right? <laughs> Anyways, continue. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, that was, that was that was the goal. That's what got me into it. I didn't, you know, didn't want to write copy. I didn't even know what a copywriter was, really. Right. I didn't know that was the right term. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't want to learn any of that stuff. I just wanted the benefits of mail order business. But of course, I was broke, so I couldn't pay somebody to write the copy. And copy's pretty darn important for a mail order business. So somewhat, I, yeah. some, somewhat right? Yeah. <laughs> So I had to learn it myself, and that's that's here we are, 22 years later. I'm still doing that stuff. <laughs> the 
rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> Sucked you in. Big time. So did you learn about Gary through Dan Kennedy then? I did. So I subscribed to Dan Kennedy newsletter. Dan talked about Gary all the time. Subscribed to Gary Halbert's newsletter. And then spent a couple years chasing Halbert down. <laughs> and- <laughs> And getting on his radar before I wa- finally wound up uh, working with Gary. And how, how did you, like, when you say chasing him down, were you just like attending events or were you corresponding with him or how did you sort of kick off that relationship? What I did, I totally used this technique that he taught in his newsletter and turned it around on him. Oh, nice. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it shows that it works. So he taught a technique about how to get the attention of a big shot. And it's what I did, which was this. He said, you know, write like a fake news article about them. Have it look like a newspaper article. Frame it in a really expensive frame. Send it to him. So, so that's what I did. I wrote a news. Gary Halbert and I were both from the same hometown, Barberton, Ohio. So okay. I, re- I wrote a newspaper story like it was in the Barberton Herald and had a graphic designer make it look like it was from the Barberton Herald put it in a frame and put all kinds of stuff in there that I thought he'd find amusing. Like the, it told a story about, so these two Barberton guys, you know, uh, Doberman Dan and Gary Halbert started working together on these mail photo projects and they were so successful and made so much money. They bought the entire city of Barberton and turned it into the world's largest parking lot. <laughs> So, Great. Yeah. So it got his attention, at least got me on the radar. And then I sent, you know, regularly, usually monthly, I sent another mailing with that kind of theater, you know, just to stay on his radar for probably a year and a half. And it eventually wound up to uh, a working relationship together and then which wound up in turned into a friendship. Now, you lived in, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you lived with Gary in Costa Rica briefly. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the, what's the story behind that? So that was actually part of this whole process of eventually working with, with Halbert. So, you know, by that, we have been communicating for a while and he wrote a newsletter about Costa Rica and I sent him a fax, like asking some questions about it. He called me when his girlfriend from Costa Rica was in town and, and they, and so she answered my questions. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. Sounds really cool. And we left it at that. And then about 30 days later, the next correspondence he got from me was an email and said, you know, based on that newsletter you wrote and that phone call I got from you, I sold uh, all my earthly possessions except uh, my Doberman, my laptop and three changes of clothes. And I'm living here now. (laughs) So, you know, when you're in town, hit me up. Let's go grab dinner. And he was like, God, I can't believe you did that. And so (laughs) next time he was in town, we did go grab dinner. The next time he came in town again, he said, hey, could I crash at your place for the weekend? And and I told him, sure, Gary. And he wound up staying like four months. sounds like it's something that became sort of a uh, standard Halbert lore is the, uh, <laughs> the living with other people. Uh, yeah. Bit. Yeah. I think so. He, <laughs> he just, you know, Hey man, maybe I think he had the best of intentions when right. he did this, you know, I, he really intended to only stay a couple of days, but he get, he gets comfortable, I guess. <laughs> So at that point, what were you have a business of your own, or were you what were you doing to make yourself some money while you were you know living in Costa Rica? My that that, that first little mail order business I told you about okay. was in the bodybuilding niche, nice. and uh, 
so I still had that going when I moved down to Costa Rica and it had, it had morphed into a supplement business also. So initially I was just selling information products and then it morphed into a supplement. So, so I still had that business when I was living in Costa Rica. And that, that was my, frankly, to be totally transparent, I had like, I was letting that thing just run on autopilot at that point, you know? Yeah. And, doing as little work as possible and in just enjoying this crazy hedonistic lifestyle down there. <laughs> hard not to, I imagine. It, it actually was hard not to, yes. From that point, and then Gary living with you, is that sort of where you guys started working together on different you know, ideas and so forth? Or, is that, or were you learning directly from Gary? Or how was that relationship evolved? So what, what he did is I was writing copy with him, which most of it was his client copy. And then, so then he landed this one big guru at the time in the internet marketing world, who this guy just had a ton of work that he said he was going to keep us busy for the next year. And so, so Halbert wanted to move back to Miami and he talked me into moving back. I, I said, I wasn't going to do it, but he talked me into moving back to the States. I moved back to Miami and lived in the same building as him. He let me stay in what he called his client apartment. So I lived there while we were, we, we worked on a couple different clients stuff, but this one big guru guy was like most of it, that most of the stuff was his stuff. In spite of my newspaper, my fake newspaper article, he and I never actually started any of our own projects together. It was just always working on client work. So where did it go from there? You, when did you start taking on your own clientele and sort of branching out? I had, like, I had rarely done any client work. Yeah, like I can think of only two client gigs I ever did, you know, back in those days, back even prior to meeting Gary and after meeting Gary, because I was always just doing my I was writing copy for my own businesses. And uh, and I started, you know, I started a bunch of them in several different niches. Um, so I and then when I worked with Halbert, so I still had the bodybuilding business going. But I mean, it was, you know, just kind of an autopilot thing at that point. I, I wasn't investing much time in it. So they were all his clients. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a freelance copywriter for hire. When the arrangement with Halbert dried up because our our big whale guru client pulled the plug, uh, I had ignored. I, I, I had said I put that previous bodybuilding company on autopilot. Well, right. let's just be honest. I was ignoring it. <laughs> so now we're getting to the truth here. <laughs> And at that point, you can only do that so long. And at that point, that thing had dwindled down, you know, to like just barely surviving on life support. And the gig with Halbert ended, this is sometime in 2004. And I'm like, you know, I have really become accustomed to sleeping indoors and eating regularly. So <laughs> I got to get something going. So I started another bodybuilding supplement company to take advantage of some supplements like that were super hot in that market back in the time. So I started that in 2004. And that was I mean, I had several side projects in, in other markets throughout that period of time. But that was my main gig, so to speak, that supplement company. And I so did that from 2004 to 2012. And I sold that in 2012. 
And like I said, with the exception of, you know, literally a handful of client gigs over all those previous years, I, I really wasn't a four hire guy. But in 2012, that the deal to sell the business came together so fast and that <clears throat> I didn't plan out my next move too fast. So I just decided, OK, well, I'll just, you know, uh, I'll give people my heart for free, but I'll whore out my mind for a price. And uh, <laughs> And I became a hired gun copywriter then in 2012. So for people, because a lot, large part of our audience is freelance copywriters or people jumping into the pool or trying to make those first trepidatious steps towards that kind of career. What sort of things? I mean, you had a bunch of contacts, of course, and stuff in that, you know, through different markets and I guess through association with Gary and stuff like that. What are some of the first steps you did, you know, to, okay, I'm going to be a freelance copywriter. What am I going to do? You know, <clears throat> one of the, the importance of Client attraction and client management, even though at the time I first became a higher gun, you know, I'd been writing copy for a really long time, but I'd never had to manage clients. And I underestimated how steep the learning curve was going to be for me. And I underestimated the importance of that process. That was like, I felt like I got thrown in the deep end of the pool, even though I was a really experienced copywriter and a lot of people knew of me. They didn't know me as a freelancer because I wasn't, I was just a dude who wrote copy for my own businesses. So I felt like I was starting from scratch in 2012 as a freelancer. And I, you know, so I had to hustle to get gigs. So Guys, you know, like who hire freelance, they didn't know me from Adam. Right. Um, so uh, I did everything wrong. I screwed it up. I severely undervalued my skill set and the value to the marketplace. And, you know, I think that energy came out. People could sense it. I did everything wrong, David. <laughs> I, I don't feel like even though, you know, I'd worked with Halbert, I, I'd been writing copy for a long time. I really didn't feel like I had any advantages as a freelancer. I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, I was I was hustling gigs on LinkedIn. Don't think that I had this big network and I was, you know, I just make one phone call. Hey, I might be available and I'm flooded with offers. Quite the contrary. <laughs> you know, like all of a sudden I sell this business and realize, wow, I ain't, I ain't got an income. <laughs> right. and, and I, I, you know, I want an income. I, I was hustling gigs on LinkedIn right. from people who didn't know me from Adam. It was, it's been a learning experience. Things that, uh, you know, for the benefit of our listeners, like what are some of the things you just absolutely botched that you can point out? Cause I'm sure people are still botching. I know I've just by listening to Tony, your voice, I know I've done some of these things too, but what are some of the really bad things that people do uh, when they're looking for new clients? This is this. I was going to say this borders on philosophy, but I guess not borders on. This is philosophy, but and I'll clarify. I'll, I'll clarify this because I'm afraid there's a freelance copywriter who's going to hear this and start rolling his eyes. <laughs> Neediness, man. When you are needy, you repel. The like even if somebody's interested in hiring you, as soon as even if they don't, un, they're unconsciously, they're just completely unconscious of it. If you're projecting neediness, you will drive clients away from you so fast. Now, I can hear somebody saying like, but I am needy. I need the money. <laughs> well, 
Okay, trust me. I've listen. I've gone legally bankrupt once, and technically bankrupt an additional four times. I've lost everything, dude. I <laughs> lived in my car for a while, you know. So I understand financial need, but that neediness. Even when you need the money, there's head stuff you can do so you don't project the neediness. But when I got really excited about a gig, you know, I know that neediness came across or the over anxiousness. So, you know, I had to work on the being detached. It just doesn't matter. You don't get this gig. Another one's going to come along. You don't need any particular client or gig. So that was a that was a big that was a big lesson there. Yeah, absolutely. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, for me, it was very helpful that I had, uh, I'm a professional magician too. So I had something else to do to make money while I was getting into copywriting. So for me, I didn't need to, you know, that came across and the fact that I really don't need this gig per se, because I'm going to go over here and do something else. And as it turns out, that that's kind of part of what you're talking about is that ability to, to walk away or, or seem unneedy even when you really perhaps want that or need that gig that's so important by the way that's way cool the the, magi- <laughs> the magician gig i find fascinating <laughs> you learn um, a lot about psychology that's for sure oh my gosh i can only imagine yeah you know here's a really pragmatic you know I, again like I, i'm talking about head stuff of not projecting neediness but so i mean like that that's uh, <laughs> that's a totally different topic but here's a really pragmatic way to take care of that problem is man if you can just get like something going like so you you knew you could rely on on the income from the magician gig um if if you can land let's say you can land a retainer gig all right so you're going to get retained for whatever it is you're going to write emails every month and you can count on x number of dollars coming in per month well there in your head hopefully that will give you a little peace of mind that you'll know worst case scenario i got that now when you know you're talking with clients and they're interested in hiring you you know now just think like okay i got that i mean if if this gig comes about that's that's cool if it doesn't come about that's cool too and you know i'm sure there's lots of people out there i know because i have met and talk with and email back and forth with people like this who, who ask me these very same questions and you know what are some if there's ways that you have found or ways you've thought about because people you know obviously when they're beginning their career they're not uh, they are needy like you said earlier <laughs> it's a fact you know they 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 need these gigs and they're, and they're trying to look you know uh, unneedy or trying to project unneediness are there ways to like you know people often say fake it till you make it I guess but are there ways to appear you know maybe maybe people aren't as familiar as we are with how that comes across so are there ways to appear ne- unneedy even though you might um, I'm still learning those lessons, David. Um, you know, like I get excited about gigs and I, I, I often think like, now, wait a minute, you know, I got to. I got to pull back. I'm excited about the gig because I know this is going to be a lay down. But, you know, on the other hand, I I don't need this gig. You can do all kinds of head stuff to not project it. But the thing I think that works the best to have a system in place that constantly brings you a steady flow of prospects. Right. Uh, Because now, you know, if something doesn't feel right, you get a bad gut feeling and you don't want the gig, you don't have to take it. 
because you got a steady flow of prospects coming in. Or, you know, if the client is, if the client says, yeah, I don't think so, man, we're not going to go ahead with this. Or, you know, we don't think you're the ideal fit for this. It's no big deal because you know that daily or weekly or monthly, you have X number of prospective people looking into your your service. Um, That's probably like the most important thing a freelancer can do is to have some sort of system. Now, now I've also done the the hustle thing, you know, and chase down gigs. That's I get temporarily. Okay, you got to do what you got to do. Ideally, if you want to make a business out of this and this is what you want to do long time, long term, you better develop a system because, I mean, I know guys who've been doing this 30 plus years who are still in the hustle phase and always hustling gigs because they never established a system. So for people out there that are looking to establish themselves and build a system, what are sort of some initial steps they can take to get to where they have that in place? Uh, the, the most, here's what I realized a few years ago. So it was 2011. I started publishing a newsletter, a actual a newsletter the way God intended newsletters to be published in <laughs> in paper and ink delivered by the postal service what is that <laughs> that's right let me explain to you what that is this is something you hold in your hands so I still have my supplement business at the time so this was a side project and at the time it was just a newsletter subscription now it's it's more into a membership. There's uh, uh, my members. I don't call them members. They're knights because I call my membership the marketing can a lot. So um, my knights get this monthly newsletter delivered in hard copy to their mailbox, their real mailbox, their snail mailbox, Um, you know, but it also includes uh, a membership site with content. And uh, and I do a monthly webinar for my knights. But initially when I launched, it was just the newsletter. And I wasn't launching that as as uh, to get client gigs. I still had the supplement business. I wasn't even freelancing at that time. But then what I discovered of, after I've been doing it a little over a year, I started getting offers to, to write copy. And then once I did become a freelancer in 2012, my best client opportunities came from that newsletter, came from the subscriber base. And it's almost to the point now where I won't, I, I won't really probably even entertain any client gigs that come from outside of the newsletter. I mean, yeah, I mean, never say never, but it's the best gigs and the best people come from that newsletter. And that was Gary Halbert's entire purpose for publishing his newsletter. It was just a system to generate clients. That has been, even though it was pure dumb luck on my part, I just launched that newsletter because I wanted, you know, a a little side hustle income in addition to the supplement business. And I wanted to start getting down all these marketing lessons on paper for posterity and and some sort of, you know, legacy. And but what it wound up being is like the smartest thing I've ever done for my freelance business. And that's like a super huge secret there. Even if you don't charge for it, if you just start writing a monthly print newsletter and comping people a subscription, the people who would be your ideal client, and don't send them a letter saying, hey, I'm giving you a free subscription. Send them a complete new subscriber fulfillment package as if 
they had just paid for it. Right. Don't tell them it's free. Because, I mean, if these guys are players or gals right. are players, they're readers and they subscribe to a bunch of newsletters. And a lot of them will just think, oh, I must have subscribed to this. So, it, you know, why I'm so dogmatic, pun intended, dogmatic Doberman Dan, uh, about this thing being in print is just pure psychology, man. Print MRI studies have shown print lights up areas of the brain responsible for memories, emotions, buying decisions, spatiality, that the same word for word message delivered in any form digitally in a PDF, an email on a website like just fizzles. So the magic of this thing is the fact that it is delivered in hard copy. So now your perceived value is much higher. The footprint it leaves in the brain is is much deeper. And plus you're showing – it's a live demonstration of your writing ability. You're also showing you got the discipline to complete a monthly newsletter every month. And clients value that more than you know because you know what? There are very few people who have the discipline to do that. Well, Dan, you have provided a lot of uh, intriguing uh, thoughts, some excellent uh, stories here today. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you personally and sort of, uh, you know, find out what you have on offer and uh, maybe what the, you can do for them and, you know, hit you up, where should they go? The most typical entryway into my little world is uh, at my website at DobermanDan.com. And I also have my own podcast called Off the Chain with Doberman Dan. And so uh, they can find that on iTunes or they can find that at OffTheChainShow.com. And I highly recommend that podcast as well because I do listen to it myself. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's great. And you're, you're just a fun, a fun guy and a great personality. Thanks for coming on the show, man. It's been a real, real honor and a privilege, and it's been fun. Well, the the pleasure was mine. I appreciate the invitation, David, and uh, I had fun, and hopefully you did too. I did. And thanks to everybody for listening to this edition, and we'll be back with another exciting guest uh, another time next week, next Tuesday, as we want to do. So join us then. And for people who want to get a hold of me, David Allen, go to makewordspay.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more. Thank you.